0: Our text for this morning's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, Luke thirteen thirty-one through 35, and I'll ask you to rise this morning for the reading of God's Word. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is firm, it is sure, it is certain, it is fixed. It's not something we have to question, God. It is simply to be heard and received and responded to. I pray that we would receive it. I pray that you would give us open ears to hear it. And I pray, God, that we would respond to it as well. And joyful thanksgiving for all that you have done and in the way that we live our lives. Please bless the words of my mouth, God. May they honor and glorify you today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you may have seen the TV show uh, The Crown. This is where I know Sir Winston Churchill from. I know he was known well before that. He was the, the British Prime Minister around the time of the Second World War. And he was known as being like a really good speech giver, right? He was a good, he, had, he was a rhetorician, like he, he spoke really, really well. And he gave one really famous speech at uh, a boys' school. It was the boys' school that he had attended growing up as a kid, and they asked him to return, and this was in, in 1941. Maybe you've heard this before, but this is the most famous line from that particular speech. And he says, you can still listen to it. If you go to YouTube, you look this up you can hear Winston Churchill you can hear his voice and it's it's incredibly powerful he says never give in never give in never 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 in nothing great or small large or petty never give in so the theme of this speech is basically, do not give up, right? Don't give up. Don't give up. No matter what comes against you, no matter what you face. And he's speaking, of course, about the Nazi threat in Germany and and Great Britain at the time of the the war. But his overall message is like, never give in. And I I was hearing this, and as I was listening to him on YouTube, I was like, man, I should listen to this before a a basketball game or before I go for a run or something. This This is really like kind of a pep talk, isn't it? Never give up. Never give in. You can just hear Get out there and win one for the Gipper, you know, kind of thing. So it's great advice, isn't it? None of us would doubt that for a second. Don't give up. Never give up. But as I started to reflect on my own life, and I asked myself the question, how well do I live by this maxim? Never give up. Never give up, no matter what. How well does my life, my own personal life, reflect that? How well do I follow that? You know, I thought about the relationships that I've had with people that I've allowed to drift away. People that have, have moved to different parts of the country and I don't keep up by calling them regularly on the phone. I think of friendships that once were strong and, and maybe now are not so much. I think of the one year Bible reading plans that I have started Again and again, and I get to First Chronicles and that 15 chapters of the son of so-and-so and the son of so-and-so gave up, couldn't quite, couldn't quite press on. I think of the the habits that, and, and, and I, I, when I share like this, the reason that I do so is because I hope that you can see in me a reflection of yourself and that you can identify with some of these things along with me, now I, I think of the the habits that I've developed over the years—some good, some bad—and the ones you know. There's that that one thing that you kind of have about yourself that you know that you know that it's a problem. You know that it's there, and you tried and you continue to try again and again to kind of defeat that and to move past it. And maybe it's more of a like two steps forward, one step back kind of thing, right? And it's easy to want to throw up our hands, and sometimes we do, and say, man, I give up. I just, I give up. So the idea of not giving up, this whole speech that Winston Churchill gives, never give up, never give up, it's good advice, but really hard to follow, isn't it? It's hard not to, not to give up in, in life. Lent, the Lenten season, I I encourage you to read the back of your bulletin at some point. There's a really good little devotional on this. But during the Lenten season, uh, it's customary for people to give up different things, right? Um, A lot of people will fast. They'll give up food or maybe they'll give up social media or they'll give up uh, any number of things. Um, And what happens so often is... With a fast, and maybe you can identify with me in this, is like you start out strong. You start out, okay, I gave this up, and then the whole first week goes by, and man, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Then week two hits, and you're like, oh yeah, shoot, I I really do like meat, and I really do like, you know, fish and all these kinds of things. And I, I think of, you know, not every time, there are times that I do follow through on that, but even the times that I do follow through on, Uh, The things that I say I'm not going to give up on. When I do follow through, a lot of times, like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself because I followed through. (laughs) Right? Like, I finished this fast. I completed this fast. I checked the boxes. And then what creeps in there is this undercurrent of self-righteousness. And this pretense that I am a step above other Christians, right? Right? happens holier than thou kind of attitude so the problem that we run into with this do not give up never give up if that is the sole if that is the sole mantra of your life if that's, if that's the catchphrase of your life we are in trouble because that catchphrase because not giving up it relies on a sputtery engine. It relies on an unreliable engine. And what is that engine? It's human willpower. It's a problem because it relies on human willpower. Human willpower is a sputtery engine, meaning it's not always there. Depending on how I wake up on any given morning, depending on how I'm feeling, depending on how much time I've steeped myself in in scriptures or not, depending on a million of different things million different things, my willpower may be strong that day, or also it really may not be. Don't give up. Requires human willpower, human willpower, there is always a limit to it, is all that I'm saying. There's always a limit to, to, to how much we can kind of self help and, and push and force our way to accomplishing our goal. So, if that's the case, then we are really in trouble. But the good news, friends, I'm going to give this to you very early in the message this morning. The good news of our passage today is this. So, if you just remember one thing this morning, let this be it Jesus never gives up on his people. Jesus never gives up on his people. Turning to our text again, Luke 13, beginning at verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Now, this is kind of interesting because if you know anything about the Pharisees, they're kind of portrayed as the villains in many of the Gospels. So it's sort of strange that they're coming alongside Jesus here and being like, hey man, you better get out of here because Herod, he really wants to kill you. So we don't know if this was a genuine thing, like were they really looking out for Jesus or was this maybe a little bit deceptive trying to entrap him like they did with most of their questions. I tend to think maybe that. But what they say here is, is a real thing, like it's a real problem. Herod wants to kill you. This is Herod Antipas who is the son of Herod the Great. And if you recall, this is a guy that actually followed through and beheaded John the Baptist, Right? Remember that wonderful little story from scripture. It's a terrible story. It's horrible where John the Baptist gets beheaded like he doesn't like him because of what he had been because of what John had been telling him and so he has his head cut off brought to him on a platter even at a party. So Herod's a this is a bad dude. So these this threat that they're saying here like he actually wants to kill you. He may actually follow through on that. So it's it's not idle threats that We're talking about here. So there's this this, this real death threat. And and here's Jesus' response. After hearing that his life may be in jeopardy, he says, Go tell that fox. (laughs) His response is to call him a name. I would not advise that if you're not Jesus, if someone threatens your life to respond by calling them a name. A fox is a tricky slippery, deceitful kind of creature, and it was known as being that in that day and age as well. But fox was also something that was, it basically meant uh, something that didn't matter, like something of no account. And so he's kind of making that comparison here and saying that this, these death threats against me are, they're of no account. I will keep on driving out demons healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Third day, of course, pointing ahead toward Easter, toward the resurrection. I will rise again on the third day. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. We'll talk about Jerusalem in a minute. But you see here, you see this devotion that Jesus has, this this single-minded devotion to his people and to accomplishing his purposes. Nothing will deter him. Absolutely nothing. And we know where he's headed. He's headed toward the cross. He's headed toward Jerusalem. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, Jerusalem has already been mentioned a couple of different times. And we need to keep in mind that when Jerusalem is mentioned in Scripture, it's not just talking about the physical city. It it is that. Sometimes it does. But also that means like the spiritual heart of the people of, of Israel. And Jerusalem, then, is this place where prophets were sent. You read through the Old Testament again and again. Prophets were sent to the Israelites to call them out on their sin, to call them to repentance, and again and again and again they turn their backs, they walk away, they say, nope, we want nothing to do with it. We want nothing to do with God, right? In fact, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. He's not exaggerating here. There were prophets, a prophet by the name of of Uriah, another one by the name of Zechariah, who were literally killed for bringing God's Word to Jerusalem, right? This is the way that people respond to God's Word, His saving purposes, His Word, His prophetic Word being brought forward, and they what? Reject Him. Reject Him again and again and again. In fact, I think it's safe to say that the Old Testament itself, is really this story again and again and again. It's it's a cycle. We see, again, the people of Israel rejecting God and not fulfilling their end of the bargain, not doing what they were supposed to do, not being good like they were supposed to be good, not obeying God's laws, not upholding their end of the covenant, failing again and again and again and again. And yet, and yet in the midst of their failure and being brought to repentance, in the midst of them not keeping their end of the bargain, what does God do? God keeps His, right? God always keeps His. It is not dependent. His promises are not dependent upon us fulfilling our end of the bargain. You see, Jesus never gives up on His people. Ever. I'm going to read you a passage from a prophet right now. This is Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And as I do this, I want you to hear in these words, uh, I want you to hear God's heart for his people. God's heart that refuses to let them go, that refuses to give up on them. Because as he is doing so, as he is is loving them and calling them back, you can just feel his heart breaking within him. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. Here it is. Listen to this. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboiim? How can can I, I do that? We hear this from God and it continues. My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger nor will I devastate Ephraim again for I am God and not a man. The Holy One among you I will not come against their cities. God won't give up on His people. You know what that means friends? It means He will not give up on you. Whatever it is that you're walking through right now, whatever it is you're, you're going through, that thing that maybe you've given up on, that thing maybe you're tempted to give up on, the thing where it feels like, man, I'm just going to throw in the towel, God won't give up on you. <laughs> the marriage that seems like it's on the rocks, it's hitting a rough patch, you don't know where to go and you're, you're tempted to, to give up. The bad habits that seem unconquerable, the friendships that you, you try to, to maintain or that you've, you've just rejected, the addiction that relapses, the failures that build up, the financial hardships that you face, all of, these, all of these things that you are tempted to give up on. God won't give up on you, and He won't give up on bringing restoration In healing and seeking to to heal you and to bring all of those pieces together. It is God's desire to do this because God never gives up. He won't give up on you. I'm gonna close by just sharing two stories with you. They're both pretty brief. This was in 2015. A man by the name of Samuel Forrest and his wife trying to remember what country they were in when this happened. Armenia. He and his wife were in Armenia and they were going to have a a kid and so they were in the hospital. And he was in a different room apparently and the baby came and they wrapped the baby up in, um, in cloth and they covered its face and they brought it brought it out to him. But they, w- they wouldn't show it to him right away. And they told him, look, there's a, there's a real problem with this baby. There's a huge problem with it. He said, well, what is it? Well, your baby has Down syndrome. He didn't know this ahead of time. And in Armenia, it's the case that if something like this happens, you don't have to keep the kid. You're able to put it up for adoption or through other means. You know, they wouldn't have to keep it as a family. The kid would be provided for, but, but not by them. He went in to talk to his wife. And his wife gave him an ultimatum right there. She said, if you keep the kid, we're getting a divorce. So here he is torn between his wife and his, his kid. And his words here are, are telling. The dad's response, he said, when the doctors brought him to him, he said, he's, he's beautiful. He's perfect, and I'm absolutely keeping him. The father wouldn't give up on his son. If you search for this story now, you'll find good news that the family did eventually reconcile. And the mother is actively involved in in raising the child as well and, and loves him to pieces. The Bible gives another illustration of a father who would not give up on his son. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. You may have heard it. Luke 15. Basically, it goes like this. Father... Had two sons. Younger son comes to dad and says, hey, give me my share of the inheritance. Which we might think was normal back then. It wasn't. You don't ask for your inheritance while your parents are still living. It's essentially the same as saying, I wish you were dead. The dad does it. Gives him his share of the inheritance. He goes off, squanders it on reckless living. You can use your imaginations. Maybe a trip to... Las Vegas would probably be about the closest thing we could imagine in our day and age. He squanders it, loses everything, a third of his family's inheritance on just reckless living, right? He hits bottom. He doesn't have anything. He goes and he works for a pig farmer, which was huge because as a Jew, pigs were dirty, unclean animals. You would not, this would be utterly appalling for someone who was a Jew to hear this story and he sees the pigs and he sees them eating from their slop trough. And he says, man, this is how hungry he is. He said, I would love to eat what's in there. I'd love to fill my belly with what those pigs are getting. That's how dire his straits are. But then it says he came to his senses. And he remembered something. He remembered his dad. He remembered the home. And he remembered his dad's servants. And he said to himself, you know, even they have it better than I do right now, right? Like, even if I go back to my dad, I'll, I'll say to him, look, I'm sorry. Will you please accept me back, not as a son, but just as one of your servants, right? So he heads off. You can imagine his body language at this point. This is a walk of shame, huge walk of shame. He just blew a third of the family's inheritance. Nest egg is gone. And he's practicing and he's rehearsing this, this speech and he's, he's told himself. And then as he, as he approaches, he approaches the father's house. While he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of him. And what did the dad do? He ran to him. He just ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. See, while that son had been away, the dad hadn't given up. We could imagine him still setting a place at the table in hopes that this would be the night that his wayward son came home. And he runs to him and he throws his arm around him and he he kisses him and he he says, bring my best cloak and put him in, in that. Bring my ring and, and put it on his finger. The ring was kind of a signet ring which would have actually given him access to the family's wealth, in, a sense. in essence, it was, he would be able to make transactions. This is a full reinstatement to sonship here. And he says, kill the fattened calf. Guys, we are going to party because this son of mine, who was dead, is alive. He was lost and he is now found. parable of the prodigal son, probably a better title for this parable, is the parable of the merciful father. This is what we have in God, a God who does not give up on us. Jesus does not give up on us. And that means if you are here as a believing, baptized child of God, God does not give up on on you. Amen. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor KJ o l h a u g at gmail.com as we wrap up our time together today please receive this benediction may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you may the lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace amen